I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. Lucia Peroni may have started makeup quite by accident, but her spot as one of the fashion industry's top makeup artists is indisputable. The British-born makeup artist worked her way up the ladder, from test shoots for her portfolio to signing with Beverly Streeters, to working with celebrities like Madonna, Cameron Diaz, Vanessa Parody, and the go-to makeup artist for editorials. In 1995, Peroni moved to New York City to benefit her career, where she started working with amazing photographers like Mario Sorrenti, Merton Marcus, David Sims, Craig McDean, and Paolo Reversi, to name a few. Some of her work has graced the covers of French Vogue, Love, Vanity Fair, ID, Another Magazine Interview, and so many more. Commercially, Peroni is consistently called upon by the likes of Alexander McQueen, Calvin Klein, Salvatore Ferragamo, Givenchy, Versace, Balmain, Giorgio Armani, and Sephora to craft the makeup looks for their campaigns. Lucia's had a 14-year relationship with Clay Dupont as creative director, and she is one of my very favorite makeup artists. Please welcome Lucia Peroni in my chair. Hi, Lucia. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How lovely. It. I sound quite fabulous, don't I? Well, I think you are. <laughs> The, a funny story is that I was going through my email to print out my notes for this, and like I typed in your name, and I, I swear to God, like fifty emails came up from starting in two thousand and eight. Dear Jerry at Streeters, I must have emailed him thirty times no. to assist you. Oh, oh my yeah, gosh. I did get to. I did a show with you in um, New York Fashion Week when it was still at Bryant Park, and it was lovely, and it was super fun, and I. I remember it was near the end of my assisting days, and I was like, well, I can check that one off the list. I finally Aww. got to be in the presence of my favorite makeup artist. <laughs> oh, that's very kind. You did an editorial, I think, around 2008, and I think it looked like the New York City subway, although it could have been you know, with a photo shoot. Who knows? And yeah. the model was in these long gowns, and they were sequenced and very kind of you know, uh, stylized, and you gave her this really deconstructed smoky eye that was just knocked me, stopped me in my tracks. And I was like, who is this? I got to check the the credits. And then that was the beginning of my love affair. Do you remember that shoot? I, I think it might be possibly Craig McDean. Yes. And it was a kind of a big, smoky, sort of pulled out eye, as I think I remember. I think I that's still what have it, it in my drawers, you know, you when you're do? younger and saving oh all of the tear sheets that inspire you. It's funny to see what you still love and what you're like, oh, that's not that great, actually. <laughs> yeah, no, no, for sure. Actually, I'd love to see that because it's, you know, you forget things that you do. Well, I do because I've been doing it so long. Um, was that shot in New, in New York? No, I think it was in Paris, actually. So on the, I think it was the Paris subway. The I think metro. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone probably thinks you're like, you know, from Italy, but you're actually <laughs> like a bona fide Brit, right? Yes. I was born here. Um, my father's Italian. My mother's half Italian, half Irish. Um, so I guess I've got a lot of Italian blood, but, um, but actually- But do you speak the, Italian? Uh, very badly, yes. <laughs> okay. Um um, but at the moment, I'm actually going through the process of getting my Italian passport because, um, as you know, we're going through Brexit and um, it's what well, we've gone through Brexit rather. Um, so it's just going to make my life so much easier um, 
because Meaning I have a house in Italy. you can use that in Europe to travel yes, for jobs. Yes, yes, yes. So fingers crossed, it's all it's all going ahead. It's just, you know, trying to find um, birth certificates of my grandparents. And, you know, it's kind of a long process, but I think, I think I'm almost there. So, um, which is super exciting, I'm actually, I mean, something I've been meaning to do for years, but never got around to it. But, um, that is yeah. great. And my yeah. mom is a Benedetti. She's Italian. And I have cousins who actually oh. got their um, citizenship in Italy. And I think it was quite easy. Like considering it's not like yes. America where you have to like, you know, give yeah. your Judge unborn people. children away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so you didn't grow up in a, in in London. You grew up in a smaller town, or I grew up. Well, I was born actually in the north of England. Then we moved to just outside London when I was about seven or eight. So about it's about thirteen miles outside London, sort of suburbia yeah, I guess um but you could so then you were coming into London to like people come into New York City to shop and be cultured and things like that yes I used to go clubbing in London when I was quite young and um used to get take what they call the milk train home which is basically the train that doesn't actually stop it just slows down and it's at two in the morning I think <laughs> and you just jump off um or you're so, pushed yeah. off yeah you're pushed <laughs> off um so I did that um you know in my youth obviously when I was still at school being very naughty when I wasn't actually supposed to be out um but yes I used to go you know London was 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 a train ride away um what was the makeup in that time when you were going clubbing like who was it Madonna or no not really it was more I mean it was kind of very sort of new when I was young it was sort of new romantics so it was a lot of a lot of that sort of amazing pink blush on or sort of red red pink eyeshadow blush that sort of sweeped across the eye went round the cheeks I mean very sort of now I guess you know red lips very very white faces right which is quite fabulous I guess now so you thought you thought you wanted to be a painter or a fine artist, or is that just something you always loved and didn't think about it? Um, well, I always, I thought, I mean, I was pretty good at art. Um, I loved painting. Um, I also loved dancing. I, oh. I kind of wanted to be a dancer, but I don't think I was really good enough. Um, but I kind of, I was toying with the idea between both, and I think, I don't wasn't really one of those people that had a mass a, a sort of a real calling or a direction of where I wanted to go you know I was I I was sort of you know 18 and in college you know doing art not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life so and I I guess makeup you know as I said I just sort of fell into it it was never really something on my radar although I was quite into fashion when I was young I think you were so yeah yeah you would read like british vogue and um we didn't read we used to have there were magazines um called honey in 19 when i was young um vogue was a little bit more more yeah well no they weren't teen they were just vogue was just a little bit more i don't know i don't want to say posh bird but it was just it wasn't necessarily so cool when you were that young maybe Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, I think I used to obviously ID and the face and things like that were my kind of magazines, I think, more than British Vogue at that time. Uh, do you have a driven personality or were you that person who was 18 and you maybe didn't know what you wanted to do, but you kind of were hungry to make something of yourself? 
yes, I think that's me. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, um, but knew I wanted to do something creative. I wanted to do something interesting. I was never, I don't know, I was a kid. And, you know, I was 18. I liked clubbing, like going out. Um, I didn't, you know, when you're that young, you don't really have a care in the world. You don't, and, you know, it was a very different time than it is now. Um, and, you know, all you kind of had was going out and your friends. So to, to I don't know. I knew I, I knew I wanted to do art for sure. I, I, was, I knew I did, wanted to be creative. It was kind of probably the only thing I was really good at. Were you successful in school academically? Not particularly, no. I mean, I'm dyslexic. Oh, so. welcome to the club. <laughs> so, you know, my my writing, uh, my spelling still to this day is atrocious, according to um, my partner, I think. Just sometimes I, I my, ask him to spell things. He's like, what? <laughs> my English as a second language French partner spell checks and rewrites everything I wow. write. If wow. that's not humbling enough. Yeah. That's, but that's, with that dyslexia that I've learned as an adult now is that yes. it comes with all this imagination and special talents, right? Yes, yes, yes. How do you use that side of your brain in your job? I guess, I don't know. It's very in my head, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm very inspired by things for sure. And, you know, there's very much a meeting about you know, a creative meeting about what we're doing and what direction. And you can kind of have an idea of what you want to do. You can have a ton of references. And even when you do have a reference, for me, it's like I can look at this reference and for some reason I love it, but I don't really know why. And it's almost, I don't, we can't really explain it. It's like a feeling, like I'll look at a model and I think, okay, this would kind of work and that would work. It's, it doesn't really have any rhyme or reason to it, and it just sort of morphs into something. And a lot of the time it doesn't end up being or looking like the original reference or, or what I originally had in my mind. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Sense. And is that from, from experience as well, like just seeing enough faces and kind of putting together a, an encyclopedia in your mind, or is it always just starting over? I think it's always, I think it might be a bit of both because sometimes I can be sitting in front of, say, a face and I want to do something creative. I had no idea what it is. And it's just, a, I just go with my instinct and I just do something. What and does that mean, though? Do you literally, like, you're like, I'm going to pick up a brown yeah. pencil yeah. and just start? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And. I'd say it wouldn't probably be a brown pencil. It'd be like a bit of blue paint or something, you know? Oh, okay. And do you, do you know what I mean? Like in a in a kind of let's just see where it goes. And then I can, I like maybe you do one side, one eye, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, I like that. Okay, so then I do the other eye, and then the other eye is different. And then I'm, I think, okay, well, which one do I like? And so I might choose the other eye or I'm very much, I don't know, this is me waffling, you see. It's like I'm I'm much about painting something on as as, as wiping it off. 
and I'm not very good. You're at not that afraid kind of... to wipe it off. No, I just I wipe things off a lot. A lot of the times, if I'm doing a shape, the shape will co- come from me um, taking um, it carefully off with a cotton bud to create that line and that shape. That's you very dyslexic I mean? sounding. Yeah, that you kind of <laughs> seeing it in terms of in front. Of, no, like, I think it's fascinating. You know, if you're doing, I don't know, for for example, I'm trying to explain myself a little bit better. Say I'm doing, I want to do quite a strong blue eye and I might, um, I've, even if I'm doing it with eyeshadow, I'll put that on and I'll put it onto the shape I can, I want and I'll look at it and I'll be like, mm, it's normally not quite right. So I'll take a tiny cotton bottle with a little bit of craline or something and I'll just make a shape. And it's very much like a sweeping motion. Okay, there's a shape and that's it. And then when I'm happy with that, I'll go to the other eye. So then that's where it becomes quite hard because you've got to make the, the sweeping shape the same so they match. Um, How do you carve out that amount of time to to be to make, I won't say make mistakes, but to feel your way out when you've been shown a reference on set or maybe you, you haven't, you created it yourself and you have mm-hmm. hair waiting and that photographer. How do you give yourself that creative freedom? Um, I'm pretty quick. I'm kind of renowned for being really quick at makeup. Um, I kind of make my decisions quite quickly. So if it's wrong, or if I not not necessarily wrong, if if I'm not feeling it, if it doesn't feel right, then I I'll take it off super quick. So I, I think I allow that I allow that space because that's me and that's how I do makeup. It's very much a sort of a process of it, it's quite tactile. It's sort of I don't know. I can't really explain it. It's kind of a bit weird. No, I, I love that. Um, <laughs> like that but, whole kind of, you know, the sort of, um, what's it called? Um, you know, all that baking and seriously heavy makeup, which I, you know, is amazing, is, is not it, very me. Is it amazing? <laughs> well, because everybody's now, no, no, I, let's, everybody <laughs> no. now is saying, oh, I appreciate that. It's not me, but it's amazing. I'm sorry. Eight years ago, any one of us would have said, oh, that's so old fashioned. I hate that. It looks like, look at that. And now we're all like, well, that's the world we're in. I guess we've accepted it or we're just lying down dead. I I, I don't know. Is it amazing? Um, I think perhaps the skill is quite amazing Uh for certain people. Certain people can do it extremely well. And that as a skill, I think it, it is kind of quite amazing but you're yes you're absolutely right you know I don't know 10 years ago that you would look at that and go it's absolutely awful it's old-fashioned and you would never want to do it so but you know I guess I'm just being polite because this is the world that we live in now and there is you know because of Instagram there is very much um that kind of makeup and you know kids love to do it at home in their bedroom, you know, on has, YouTube, whatever they're doing, you know. Has that kind of makeup ever made its way to your chair in the way that you've been asked or influenced by it? Like, you know, like even at the shoots and the level that you're at, I can't imagine um, someone showing you a reference of that. But you work with brands, you know, they have to sell. 
Yes, uh, no. Okay, so no, not really. I think the, the as far as I would get to something like that, it would be doing a very kind of blitz kid look or a very 80s look because that is, you know, it's super, you know, it's a lot of base. It's a lot of white fa- foundation or powder, you know, you, and it, it's that whole kind of super sculpted eye and cheek and mouth. So, yes, in that sense, I, I, I can do that and, you know, I, I – it looks great. I just, um, and then on the other hand, people don't really ask me to, you know, nobody would ask me to do really that kind of thing. I don't think, cause it's not very me. I think you just, the best you can do is try to, um, channel Kevin O'Quan, like he, that yes. kind of thing. And you know, with the thing is I, I do ch- channel him and I have done quite a lot, but my version of Kevin is very much, is very different than his and also very different than probably a lot of other people. Mine is a much more subtle, if you see what I mean. Yes, you know? of course. I mean, I, I love, I like to see skin. I like to see somebody's real face. I like to see the beauty in somebody. I don't like, you know, I think you can be creative and crazy as, as much as you like, as long as you make somebody look amazing. And sometimes they don't, you just, they, they just end up looking worse. Or just over made up and very strange. I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. When you were starting out, the imposing makeup, I'll say, and maybe this is incorrect, but what you're kind of putting on the face, I can see how fine art would be a total advantage to have. Mm-hmm. Except when you're dealing in makeup, you have a face there, right? It's something's yes. already there. It's not a blank canvas. How did you? How does that relate? Was that relationship like when you were well, doing makeup? I think it's because you know the way I see it is, is it, it's sort of a similar principle because it's all about light and shade. So you're you are sculpting somebody's face in a sense with color and you know the basic principles of makeup. You know if you're how you can transform somebody's face just from. Um, you know, if their eyes are slightly close together or a little bit farther apart, or you want to, you know, accentuate something to make it look bigger, to make their cheeks stick, you know, it's all that, all that does come from an art background for sure. Um, I just think I use, I, I, the way I do makeup is from more of a drawing painting. Um, I look at something and I almost paint it rather than I put makeup on it. The person. That makes sense. You know? So I'm kind of putting, I'm, I'm, I'm painting somebody. I'm not putting makeup on them. Mm. Um, And does that work if you were to do a woman going on a red carpet as well? Like not an editorial. Is it the same approach? Yes, I think so. It's just, um, you, you use, I guess it's just not so it's not crazy it's it, it's just you're beautifying somebody so a woman's going on the red carpet you want her to look her best so you study her face and how can I make her look the best she possibly can and it is very much okay so if I add a little bit of you know um darken the crease it opens her eye out here you know you you a tiny little bit of light in you know by your nose you know all those sort of little tricks of the trade that we all know you just look at them like that rather than just going okay I'm going to give a brown eyeshadow or I'm going to give her 
I don't know, a kind of cat eye with a, you know, with pink shadow or something. Right. So you didn't assist anyone. And this was before no. uh, YouTube tutorials or Instagram. Yes. How yeah. you said all the tricks we know, but how did yeah. you learn them? And the I makeup stuff, or even like putting on <laughs> false eyelashes. Like how I don't do you think know- I know them. I don't think I know them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I must have. I must have learned somehow throughout the year, my years of doing makeup. Um, I don't know. False lashes. You know, you, I guess you just teach yourself, don't you? Right. I mean, I did. And so I a lot myself- of it came intuitively for you. Yes, yes, it's definitely intuitive. And, and, you know, but, you know, having said that, you know, my, thank God for my assistants, because, you know, they do teach me a lot, even now, you know, like baking and cut creases. And, you know, I didn't know that the inside of your eye was a waterline. And that's what you call it, the waterline. I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So there are there are lots of, especially if you're a Mac makeup artist, you get amazing training and you come up with all these little tricks of the trade that I didn't know when I was starting out. I was just winging it most of the time. And, I was and that just was a time things. when you could do that. Yes, you could. You could, yes, totally. And because, what I mean, was special I, about the time when you were starting out? Um. Well, I think it was definitely, there was much more freedom. There was less pressure, I think. There wasn't so many people. There wasn't so many makeup artists, for sure. It wasn't such a big business. as it. We're talking early 90s. Yes. So, you know, early, uh, you know, I, early 90s, I was, um, I was just doing my thing. And, you know, I've always been into sort of, you know, you know, feeling the skin, very natural, sort of very tactile, or usually always using my fingers. Um, And I guess I just learned along the way how to do, you know, as you say, put lashes on or, um, you know, specific things. And I guess now, you know, all these years later, I'm sure there are kids out there that are far better at doing a cut crease than I am. You know, I, well, I, sure. I think because it's but just then that, technical. It's just yes. like a paint by numbers yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine. And also, I think for me, I, I mean, my assistants do laugh at me because if I too, take too long, I get very bored and then it all goes horribly wrong when I get bored. I'm like, oh, God, I'm bored of blending. So I know it sounds a bit weird, but I just like. I like the. The the sort of instant gratification of things. And I put something on, I go, Oh yeah, I like that. That looks good. And then you add a bit more and you do. I like that, that sort of seeing it and feeling it, you know, almost intense instantaneously. And do you find that, that when you're working quickly, that your technique is better? Yeah. I found that in the odd, it doesn't make sense. Right. But, but there's something about the ease perhaps, or what do you think? I think it's the ease. I think it's almost like the confidence because you're not, you're not giving your, I'm not giving myself time to dither about it. I think, Oh, is it right? Should I do that? Or should maybe it should be a bit like this or should it be a bit like that? And you're like, no, this is it. And you just do it. And you're like, I don't know. It has, for me, it always comes out better if I'm quicker. Do you remember the last time that you've actually got felt on set flustered or doubted yourself or, you know, had a, an opinion where you were like, Oh, you know, frustrated. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I don't know if ever those things ever go away, to be honest with you. I mean, really? I, 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 yeah, because I, I actually, I remember, I'm not going to say what it was, but it wasn't that long ago. And there was, you know, I was working with a celebrity and she had really strange skin. <laughs> it sounds a bit weird, but it's like that skin that just doesn't like foundation. And it wasn't, I just couldn't get it. I couldn't, all the little tricks in my in my bag weren't working to make her look good. And it was really annoying me. And also made me feel like, oh God, she doesn't look as good as she did. She should look better than this. So I was stressing out in my head thinking, why is she doesn't she, why, why isn't it working? And, you know, some people do have that strange skin. It's quite Did shallow. she feel that as well? I don't think she did because I'm quite good at sort of hiding it. <laughs> um, you know, I don't think she would ever have noticed. And, you know, I'm sure she looked she looked great. She looked fine. I just think in, you know, the perfection perfectionist in me was yeah. very like, mm, why? What is it? I can't get it. I couldn't put my finger on why it, it was wrong in and my did head. You, did you keep thinking about it after the job? Yeah, I did. And actually, the pictures came out. She looked gorgeous, so it was fine. But, you know, how you stress about things. Well, I just think it's interesting how everybody deals with adversion in different ways. You know, and like where your mind goes and what old habits come up that you go, here I go again. I'm I'm doing that perfectionist thing. Yeah. I think maybe my assistant might say something different because I'll probably get snappy with them. (laughs) But generally, if I'm stressed you wouldn't really necessarily know it that much, but maybe my assistant would probably say something different. What is that about? I, I just, I, I think that's just that age old thing of, you know, not feeling like, you know, you're, that you're winging it and okay, you know, I need to get this and I'm not getting it. And I and think don't that let anybody know that you're sweating. Yeah. I yeah. I guess. I mean, I think we all do. I think we all, you know, often I think someone's going to come along and go, you know, sort of point you out and say, you know, imposter syndrome, you know, what are you doing? You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but you, you surely don't have in, imposter syndrome. I do sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I do. Cause sometimes I, you know, I, I, I think in a sense, maybe because I, I, I didn't, you know, I don't have formal training as it were. I never, you know, I was never a makeup artist. I never assisted anybody. So my makeup is me. And I admire assistants a lot, like a good assistant that um, can do all those shows. So they work with all my contemporaries and they come and do a show for you. But yet they can they can lock into your style and how you like makeup and what you like to see and then go and do it for somebody else, which is quite amazing. I mean, that's a real art, I think. Sure, but Lucia, I'm but, I mean, not, surely you must have, you know. I mean, you've assisted. You've yes. got to, I've never done that. I've never gone to say like me. Okay, I come assist me. I go and do Di Kendall. I don't go and do Pat McGrath. I do, you know, I to name a couple. Um, right, but on the flip side of that is there are a lot of people who were amazing assistants, but never, in my opinion, never found their own. or their own style that they can recreate or technically do what someone tells them to do or perfect eyeliner, but they're not inspired. They don't bring something to the table and say, you know, and that, that's something else too. 
Yes, and I think that's very much to do, I personally, that's very much to do with how you look at things. Like whenever I go to a shoot, it's, you know, I go, I do jobs that, things that I, especially editorial, for instance, that I find inspiring. And it's not necessarily that I'm not, I know I'm going to do loads of makeup. It's just that the the pictures are going to be beautiful. And it's about being a part of a creative process. So I'm not standing on set obsessing about the makeup. I'm there looking at it and wanting to contribute my bit, which is makeup, to this, you know, amazing picture. And it's looking at the picture. And I think that is the difference. If you, if you, you need to sort of, you need to be part of a collaboration of people and not just think, well, I've done this eye and it's amazing and I'm not going to change it because just because it doesn't work. No, you have to be, you, you, you know, uh, I don't know, adaptable and 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 know when, you know, t- to be able to look at something and be able to say to people, you know, I don't think that eye's working or I don't think that lip works. And and the confidence to go, you know, what, I'm going to change it. Let's just try it. Let's try something else because I don't think in this picture it's working. And it's a lot easier nowadays because you have this digital screen in front of you so you can sort of scrutinise everything, whereas, you know, Back in the day, you had a very small Polaroid and, you know, you weren't always 100% sure that, you know, it was going to come out as good as you imagined or as good as you saw. Have you had that happen? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that, I mean, there's nothing more satisfying for me to hear that one of the people that I idolize have imposter syndrome or get nervous. It's just the best feeling. I remember learning Aretha Franklin used to almost faint when she had to sing as a young girl. I was like, what? Wow. Like, you know, these people, yeah. it, so it happens. And, but there's gotta be a side of your brain that go, I'm working with David Sims and it's French Vogue. I'm not an, an imposter. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. I guess. I don't know. I mean, I think it's, it's, um, even know what it is anymore I mean you know it's not all the time but it's it's just maybe it's it's when you're feeling maybe when it's you're feeling a little like you, you haven't quite got it you're not sure you haven't got that spark that thing that's like oh yeah I'm going to do this because this is going to be great that's really going to work and so you have that confidence that that's what you're doing and sometimes you're a bit like oh I don't know I don't know what she should be and then I think it comes then when you're slightly unsure of what your part is Mm. um that you you get that sort of oh well if it was somebody else they would have just nailed it straight away you know does that make sense it does I, it totally makes sense that you actually sometimes you find great things in vulnerability. Yeah, and and you know sometimes absolutely, and sometimes it, because it pushes you because you're a bit like okay, Lucia, you just gotta you just do anything. It's almost like starting. You just put, it's like putting a piece of paint on a piece of paper. You've started it, so then you kind of the sort of creative process just then flows and you, it, you I, I don't know I look at it like that when I'm doing makeup you just like you just start have you done yeah. and you don't have to say what it is but have you ever done anything that you're like embarrassed about that you think is just shitty uh yeah I have I think I've looked at makeup sometimes and gone, oh, that looks like crap <laughs> <laughs> that's another great feeling for me I think it it makes you 
who you are and also makes you hungry to 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 better yourself you've always got to come up with you know interesting or good things and i think if you always think you're fabulous then i don't know you're not growing for sure well yeah exactly you're not you you don't grow i don't I, I really don't think you do if you if you just it, that's kind of like sitting on your laurels isn't thinking oh well I'm just great and I know how to do this and this is fine you know and it, and even sort of um you like no makeup you know there's a, there is an art to no makeup because there's a very fine line between somebody with no makeup on looking not so great and somebody looking oh my god she looks amazing her skin's amazing and that is a fine line and I think people don't realize that until actually you go to do it. And and it's actually not as easy as you think. Not at all. I wanted to know, so you, for some reason, and maybe you know why, there's a lot of people who work in fashion from the UK uh, in terms of stylist, in terms of hair and makeup. I mean, sometimes it feels like half of the industry in New York are all Mm. transplants from, from London. What was it like to have that kind of inspiration, but also competition building your career? I think, well, when you have, when I, when I started, um, you know, we didn't have mobile phones. We didn't have computers. So you would, you would be there waiting for your tear sheet to come out. And then if it was like an Italian Vogue, you know, it was obviously foreign. So you'd have to wait even longer. And it was, super exciting but and you know and you you would get an Italian Vogue issue and you'd be looking through it and you know admiring all these amazing people you know I remember you know like Stefan Murray when he used to do those incredible things with Peter Lindbergh and and it's I don't know it's very inspiring then I think it's very different now because it's already there it's all in front of you you don't have to wait for anything because people are posting sort of pre-pictures on Instagram before the actual thing has even come out. So right. it's a very different time. And so, you know, in, in, in London, I think in my experience from living in London and then moving to New York, it, you know, London was what New York seemed to be very driven by money much more. It's much more commercial, whereas London, we were just a little bit more creative. You know, I spent a year when I first started just, you know, doing tests and, you know, I never assisted anybody, but I did tests. I didn't earn any money. I was, you know, broke, you know, that you don't get that anymore. People don't want to do something for nothing. You won't get anybody doing anything for nothing. They want paying and they want paying quite a lot of money. So it's very, very different. So, you know, I don't know. It's that kind of out of adversity and out of, of, you know, not having much, you just push forward and you create, you, you create these kind of amazing things. Um, so when you did move to New York, did you have to change anything about not only your aesthetic, but also your personality to, to make it here? Um, I don't, I don't think necessarily your personality because lucky for us, I think Americans loved English. So that was great. Um, I think, you know, my first six months of living in New York, I did one job. I never worked when I was first in New York at all. What did you do then? How did you like eat? 
I went, I somehow managed to have money and I don't know how I did. I think it's just because I did earn money in, in, in London. I was sharing an apartment with a friend in the West Village and, you know, I didn't have loads of money, but I definitely could eat. And, you know, I spent most of my time in this amazing little pizza restaurant called Picasso Pizzas on, uh, I think it was on Bleecker. Oh. And it just used to go and sit in there and have coffee and write to my friends because, you know, this was before computers, you know, that, the, you know, your average person had a computer or a, or a mobile phone. So... But that was about the time I was for six months. I was in New York, and then because I was working with Glenn Lutchford a lot at the time, and he got Prada. So then, even though I was living in New York, I was in Italy a lot, doing Miu Miu and Prada and Prada Men. So, um, but I going back to your initial question, I, I think it was you know New York was much. It was much more commercial. It was more simple. It wasn't so creative, apart from I guess W magazine was quite was pretty creative at the time. Or what yeah, was? But could. a lot of the stuff was shooting in New York that like even were Europeans, but a lot of them moved to New York, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we all moved moved to New York because, you know, come on, New York it's it's fabulous and it's one of those things you always want to do when you're young. You know, you move to America, it's amazing, and um. Do you remember when you started to feel like, and maybe it was before New York, um, okay, I'm going somewhere with this? Um, yeah, I think it was... I think maybe actually that is the point where, I, I, where it happened. I think by the time I got to New York and I started doing Prada, I was like, okay, this is kind of working now. This is working for me. I think, you know, I was very much sort of under the radar before, you know, I was doing my little thing. I was working with Glenn um, and, you know, just doing stuff, but not really anything really amazing, I don't think. You were the indie film. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I was quite happy in my little indie film world. Um, Except and- you were poor. I was poor. <laughs> I was poor. <laughs> so, <Yes. laughs> so when did Madonna come into the into your orbit? Um. Uh, God. Jesus. Um. I'd I'd say it was two. It was a couple of years before she married Guy Ritchie. Uh, maybe three years before she married him, and I was working with Matt Marcus and this fabulous hairdresser called Luigi Moreno, and he knew her because he worked with her. And he was like, you know, I have to introduce you. She's going to love you. And I remember saying to him, no, don't do that. <laughs> because that will just stress me out. I don't want to do it. No, I don't. Luigi, don't do it. And, of course, he did. And um, I went to her house, actually, the very first time I met her. In New York? Um, I, no, in L.A. We went, I went to her house in L.A. And we did her um, hair and makeup in the bathroom. And I can't actually even remember what it was for. But she was just so super cool. And were funny. you nervous walking in? Oh God, yeah, I was really nervous. I was really nervous. I and I especially was nervous when she because she had all these. She had like two Frida Kahlo paintings in her living room, and I'm like, wow, this is kind of pretty amazing. <laughs> um, 
Yes. And also, she knows every reference and has had every amazing makeup artist touch her face. I mean, that has to feel kind of like, oh. Yes. Yes. But she was, I mean, I I think the fact that we were in her house the first time I ever worked with her was a huge help because she was very cool, very relaxed. And it sort of made made me feel, okay, this is okay. I can do this. It's going to be fine. So, and then I, I, I think I worked with her for about, maybe two or three years um and which was great but it's i i don't think it was for me to be you know i did a little mini tour me and luigi did a mini tour with her and um it's you know a, a very interesting how the other half lives and being with somebody so famous mm-hmm. is kind of insane um but you know not my life and i i always wanted to do something much more creative. I'm more interested in doing more creative things, I think, than necessarily doing celebrities. How do you deal with um, the lifestyle? Because it's not conducive to, I mean, I've been in a really long-term relationship, but I don't know what I would do if I was dating someone new or if, you know, you had Mm. children or if you weren't somebody who liked to get on a flight on a moment's notice. How do you... deal with the kind of lifestyle of being a freelance artist? Yeah, it's quite hard, I think. I, I um, You do sacrifice quite a lot of things. You sacrifice people's birthdays and um, stuff that's happening because, oh, no, sorry, I can't because I'm going on a trip. Um, and it's extremely exhausting. Um, you know, you can be on the road for a long time, you know, spending three weeks in LA and then you go to New York and then you come back to London, and then you go to Paris and then you go to Milan. And blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it's, it's very taxing on your, on your spirit and on your body for sure. But I, I've always sort of, I was thinking about it the other day, it's like twice a year, I always go off and do some sort of spiritual hippie or detox um, retreat yoga thing. Like and you just carve that stuff. time out and say, don't, yeah. don't even call me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I always take a good six weeks off in the summer and probably a month off at Christmas. And, you know, the thing is that, you know, I don't work every day. Um, thank God. Cause I think I'll be collapsed if I worked every day. So you do get these kind of odd moments where you just go, I'm going to take a week off here. I'm going to do this yoga retreat. Um, you know, I'm going to go to Thailand and, drink green juice and try and be happy <laughs> but actually those things are uh, i find amazing i think got me through probably the last 20 years because really you, um yeah because it sort of resets your body and you feel okay i feel good i'm uh, you know i'm energized i feel relaxed um so those that's definitely you know allowed me to keep going i think the, the funny thing is the at the moment because you know for a year i've hardly worked which is actually quite nice. <laughs> Although I'm getting a bit bored now. I'm bored of lockdown. It's getting on my nerves. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about um, kind of the state of makeup today. And I'm going um, to project onto you and you can tell me if this is true or not. Yeah. I get a feeling from just kind of following you over the years and on social media, you're much more of a behind the scenes kind of makeup artist, meaning I, I don't get the feeling that you want to be kind of like, you know, on every tutorial video and and famous in in a certain kind of way. 
Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, I'd say it was. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just because I don't really know. I, I'm, I'm not really of this whole selfie culture thing. I, I don't know why. I just find it, I don't know, a little bit imposing on someone. Um, and I, I guess you know what my contract with Clay Poe I had for a long time, and that, and that was very much. I'm big in Japan, if that makes sense. You know, I had to do all that stuff there where I didn't really have to do it here. So because I was already doing it, I never really did it. And that's really you, bad English. Why <laughs> Why didn't you have to do social media here versus Japan? Because they don't sell it here, you see. Well, they don't sell that. So when social media obviously comes along, the things that you you generally have to do obviously is to pro- promote yourself or to promote something which is usually the contract that you're doing and because Clodopo um was not in Europe it was in America but um and obviously Asia I only ever really did any kind of tutorials and all that that stuff was in Japan it wasn't here so and I think because I was doing it there I never really it was just like oh I don't want to do that so I never really got into that I want to be in front of the camera and I want to put makeup on it because also I don't really wear makeup myself. Like I don't, it's not something where I would try out products. I'm not obsessed by makeup products. I never have been. I mean, of course I love a good makeup product as much as the next person, but I'm not obsessed by going to a department store and going, Oh my God, have you seen, they've got the new this or the new that I it's, it doesn't really enter my head most of the time. So I'm not really obsessed with, you know, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me with this new makeup. It's just not me. So, yes, I guess at the end of the day, I am much more behind the scenes because. um, Was that a struggle for you to have to have that become a part of your job? I think at first, when I first went to Japan, it was I found it quite difficult to you know to to be a room full of 500 people and you have to walk you know to, to do a press event in front of 500 people and you have to stand on stage and talk and sell and sell yes and sell and remember remember all those names and of course all clay de po is in french but they're japanese and i'd always forget the name of the products i wasn't very good at that <laughs> so how could you create consumer products if you're not that interested in them um, I don't know. Good question. How could I do that? Um, because I know what I know what a good foundation is. I know what good skincare is. I know what's a good shadow and how you want it to feel and how you want it to look and how it should be applied and what's the perfect. I do know. I can develop something. It's not necessarily that I want to then go to a counter and look at, I don't know, you know. Yeah, you're not interested in the commerce. Glosses. Yeah, no, right. not really. Does Is that reflected in your kit? Uh, yes, probably, yeah. Remember, like, everyone has to now have nine l- pieces of luggage, you know? It became oh, like God, a competition no. to yeah. see who could have the biggest kit. Yeah. Like, what does your kit look like? Um, I have two kits. 
Um, and I think they're a bit heavy, personally. Um, I and and they're quite. That's quite a lot for me, actually, because um, my old old assistant. He hasn't assisted me for ages, actually. Ozzy, he oh, yeah. used to. You know Ozzy. Um, I know Ozzy. I love yeah, Ozzy. I love Ozzy. Um, he used to make everything for me. So I'd just say, okay, can you make me a brick red? And he'd make a brick red. So we didn't. You didn't need to travel with tons and tons of makeup because you can you can make things you can create color by you know you don't need you don't you just don't need it because one it's just too heavy and 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 you would never look at it because you've got so much stuff and don't you think there's something to the alchemy of making something on the fly that it actually it reflects differently or maybe it's just in my imagination, but sometimes I think. Oh no, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Even just doing, say like I have uh, this eyeshadow palette that's got all really super amazingly bright colors, but I like to mix them. Like if you've got turquoise, it wouldn't just be the one turquoise. I'd use about three because it makes it slightly different. And, you know, I like that sort of, making things on the fly because you create colors that i mean of course they it's not that they don't exist in the world but they're sort of particular to you at that time right and also you don't have an attachment because you made it that day and then it's gone yeah yeah like i always think like am i gonna want do i really want to carry this one color around because it doesn't mean enough to me yeah and you know having I do have a lot of stuff that I'm like, God, why are we carrying this around? And then I'll go, you remember that thing I said, why are we carrying it around? Have we got it? (laughs) I need it. Yeah, I need it now. (laughs) Um, Do you you feel underappreciated or undervalued in this current climate? No, not particularly. I I do. For you. you. For you. For me, uh, Yeah. You have 70,000 followers on Instagram, and that's only one metric of measuring someone and maybe whatever. Yeah. But in terms but of editors or magazines fault, who would want to work with you, yeah. you're in a top 10, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So in terms of like, even if you don't value the number of followers brands do, campaigns or or fashion designers are inviting people with all those followers to sit in the front row of their shows. Like- even if you denounce it, it has an effect on the greater industry. And I don't think that this time when magazines are folding, when there aren't really, to me, aspirational editorials like there used to be, mm-hmm. I don't think people like yourself shine as much as they used to. Is that terrible to say to someone? I, I'm no, sorry. No, no you're, ab- you're probably right. I think, but, you know, I'm <clears throat> probably as, you know, partially to blame to that for that because I don't engage in my social media as much as I should do because I it just takes forever and I I've got other things to do and um you know I I've only just recently been okay you know my sister my assistant is sort of forcing me to film stuff even if it's never printed we're just filming me doing makeup and filming makeup and and because otherwise I wouldn't bother because I've just too I've got too much going on to think about these things and but yes yeah, so yes I, I, I guess. mean I guess I resent that someone like yourself would have to do that even <laughs> that's what well, you know but that but that's what everybody does isn't it I think right. you know you're you're I mean unless you're one of those makeup artists that is 
born out of Instagram or a celebrity. So then you get how many millions of followers they have or one point whatever, you know. It's a different – I'm in a slightly different world, I think, somehow. Very. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't want to be a celebrity makeover, makeover makeup artist. That's not who I am. I don't I – don't, that's not my thing. I don't find that makeup particularly interesting. I don't find it inspiring. Um, and you're uh, willing to let go of the money that that would bring? Yeah, you say that, but that's actually quite interesting because the money that that will bring is not just that. It's, you know, you have to be, as you say, you know, in the front of the camera. It's not. It doesn't seem creative to me. That's why I'm not that interested in it, I think. And, yes, maybe I should be because then I'll make loads more money. I don't know. Well, it's just a choice, you know. Everybody yeah, has mean, a choice of what they can live with or not. And some I think people, even it's more important even, to make yeah, that I mean, money and some people not. Yeah. Uh, hey, listen, I've had a, a long career and, you know, I had an amazing contract with Clay Poe, but, you know, that was an exceptionally, an exceptional contract in the sense that, you know, I made colours for them. I, you know, collaborated with them. Um, I was very much a part of it. And, you know, I got to go there twice a year. You know, I'd I'd make colours of whatever for collections twice a year. And now pe- the, the companies don't really want that. They want you to be doing, you know, tutorials on Instagram and, um, you know, that, you know, Instagramming, you know, that kind of thing, which I don't think is that interesting personally. But you don't resent the fact that that's what is asked? Um, no, because it's a different job almost. Like having a contract with a makeup company is a very different job nowadays, I think. You know, I don't think really... those type of contracts exist that much anymore. No, no I don't think they do. The all-encompassing, no. No, they don't want you to sort of necessarily create things for them and tell them, look, you should make this, you should make that, because this is really, really cool. They've got their own agenda. They know what they want and what they're doing. They just want you to stand there and sort of, as, as, in a sense, sell it for them. So you're the makeup artist that's... Or have you know, seven people sell it at a lower like contract yes. than have yes. one person and yeah yeah regional sellers as it were have yeah. you had um other this year doesn't count because everyone is like you know turned upside down mm. have you ever had kind of an ebb and flow to your career like a, a moment when you felt you were in less demand or not working as much yeah yes definitely i think um one particular time springs to mind when I I I actually got injured on a on a shoot and um I got hit on the head by a scaffolding pole you know studio lighting pole yeah and um I think I was off work off work for about six months and that was quite difficult to sort of come back after something like that because you know people move on you know they forget you they're sort of they're on to the next and then, you know, it takes them a while to realize that, oh, yes, she's, you know, she's come back. Um, so I think that happens. I think it's a natural thing anyway. Um, you have ebb and flows of things. And I think it's also to do with what, you know, what city you live in, who, what photographer, my world, what photographers I'm working with. Um, but uh, And also, you know, 
things have changed. Money isn't so readily given nowadays. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was a time when I would be flown to L.A. for three weeks. I don't think that would happen anymore. Where does your mind go initially when you start to realize that you're not the it thing? And how did you, and then where do you end up pulling yourself? How do you pull yourself out of it? Um, I think it's just that belief in yourself. You know, I, you know, I'm, I know I'm good at my job and I, I guess you just, you do other things that inspire you that sort of, make you feel creative in a sense like I lo- I don't know sort of going to you know I go to Cornwall a lot because my sister lives down there which is really beautiful and it's by the sea and it's you know an amazing place to sort of reflect and I don't know almost get your energies back to you know to be able to sort of move forward and I was going to ask you do you have a life outside of um outside of makeup and is that important to you oh god yes I do yes I do um I I I mean I have a house in Italy I go every year um you know I have a I don't have children but I have a big family I have four sisters um and you know there's lots of things I I love to do that aren't necessarily anything to do with you know work I guess as it were and is that Um, having that life made you better at your job um I think for me personally yes because I don't think I would I think I probably would have burnt out if I didn't Mm. I mean I love my job I love I love being a part of a creative process I love going to work and you're doing I don't know you know editorial is you know really great editorial where you get to be creative and or you're in you're part of a creative team um it's inspiring and it's exciting and it's fun I mean you know yes it can be stressful um and exhausting because you can work 16 hour days but it is amazing and you know obviously I don't do that every day but that's what I love the balance of doing things like that and then just being in the country, mm-hmm. you know, growing vegetables. You know, I, I, I think you need, you need the balance for me. I need the balance. How does your ego handle? Um, I'll give an example. How does mm-hmm. your ego handle uh, sharing a photographer with one or two other makeup artists being that say Charlotte Tilbury works with Matt and Marcus for mm-hmm. 10 years but you also go yeah. in there. How do you deal with that? Um, well, I think, I think, you know, there were certain advertising jobs that I did and certain ones that Charlotte did. And it was always, you'd always keep your advertising job. I think they were pretty fair. And then I, I guess they kind of used to just split the sort of the, the editorial between the two of them. But I don't know. I think, you just deal with it. Mm-hmm. You know? It is what it is, isn't it? It's, it, you know, I don't believe that you should work with the same photographer consistently in a sense. That's the only person you work with. I don't think that's good for them. I don't think it's good for you. It's good as a makeup artist is to have a few people that you work with. It makes 
it just it just makes things it makes you more creative it it makes it more interesting for sure are you a different person when you're on a set with Matt and Marcus or di- versus like David Sims I don't know if I'm necessarily a different person but I think you know in this business I, gu- I guess because everybody has different personalities so you how do I say this without sounding really bad? (laughs) Um, Do you have an alter ego or something that you can put on, like your Sasha fears for different people? Yeah, you do. Yes, for sure. But I don't know. Alter ego sounds really weird to me because it sounds like you're this sort of, you know, you know, finger snapping fashion queen. And it's not that at all. I think you, there's a certain amount of protection that you have and, you know, you maybe you're not absolutely truly yourself, but you know I don't really know how to answer this question without sounding like really bad. Do you know what I mean? I love that. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> that must mean it's real because uh, well, the politics. Let's real. just talk about the politics of the job because I was gonna. One of my questions was how much of what of your career is actually putting makeup on the face, and how much of it is. Political is kind of a judgmental word, but relationships, let's say, and that whole thing. I'd think, say 50%. Wow. I'd say 50%. Is that exhausting? Um, I mean, it's, it, it, I, th- I think it's 50% in the sense of whether you get on with people. You know, P, you could you know, hypothetically, they could be me and somebody else and maybe they'll go with me because they're always lovely, cheer, she's great. Or they might go with the other person because they love her more than they love me. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I think that's, it's playing the game. You have to be able to play the game. And, and you're you, willing to. Yeah. I mean, to a certain extent, we all play the game, don't we? I mean, you're just, I think it's it's unique in the sense that we go to work and we we work with so many different people that you might you, you might see that person twice a year, say, because you do an ad campaign with them. Or, you know, let's take hairdressers, for instance. You know, you work with the same maybe three or four, and then suddenly you work with somebody you don't know, or then you'll work with somebody you haven't seen for six months. And so, you know, the dynamics of personalities in a room, it's all a balancing act, isn't it? And I think, you know, when, when people you know, they book you for your talent, but they also book you because of who you are, because that's a big part of it, isn't it? Are you fabulous? Am I fat? No, not at all. (laughs) Okay. So how do you, well, yeah, because that's a thing. I, in our industry, you're either the, the hair and makeup who are fabulous and have the same designer brands that the clients have. And that's your thing. And people like you because you're fabulous or you're Mm -hmm. what? Just talented. Um, I'd say I well I'd say I'm talented but I'd say I'm pretty down to earth. I'm um I'm definitely a team player in the sense I don't go in there thinking I'm going to do this fabulous glitter eye and I don't care what any of you lot say. I'm not that kind of person. Um, um But do you feel the pressure to be cool? Um or chic, or whatever it is that the fashion industry values? I don't know. Well, definitely not chic. <laughs> I've been walking. I mean, no, I'm definitely not chic. I thought you were chic when you came backstage. You were in something. Like, oh, yeah. 
I think you had some kind of fur coat and like took it off and you had a shirt and jeans. And I was like, (laughs) she looked like a chic British beautiful woman. (laughs) You weren't in a Patagonia vest, you know, with. No. Well, yes. No, obviously. No. Maybe I'm sort of chic in my own little world in a sense. But most of the time I wear jeans. I mean, you know, I do. So what's your game plan when you're, let's say you're the not the hot, young, coolest, you know, photographer wants you at a shoot. Mm-hmm. How are you going to connect with them if you're not playing the fabulous card? Because I'm older, I'm experienced, I've been around, I've had an amazing career, I know what I'm doing, I'm bloody good at my job, and I'm an amazing makeup artist, and I'm pretty down to earth, and I don't have any... I'm not a diva. I think, you know, that's why I'm amazing. <laughs> I love that. That when look how far we got. I just had to push your buttons from the beginning of the show, and then it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm amazing. I mean, I agree with everything you just said. Are you opinionated? Yeah. Yeah, you stick but your neck out on a shoot when you um, can. I think I'm quite honest. Uh, I yeah, I'm quite honest with. If if I will say what I think, um, I wouldn't say I was <sighs> bossily opinionated. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not my way or the highway, or you know. But I I guess um, I don't really know. I hate talking about myself. That's another thing. <laughs> well, I'm glad you came on the podcast then. Um, <laughs> Well, you know what? I want to ask you about that because, A, it's a British thing. Like every Brit who I've interviewed or talked to, even if you're the best at what you do, you have to apologize for it. No, no, no. I'm not. You know, it's just a cultural thing. You put up a a post on Instagram uh, this yesterday and Mm -hmm. it struck me. It was about that. There was, there are no women who haven't. And you went through a list of things like, Mm Um, basically felt fear from men, you know? Yes. Um, What is it about being a woman, about being a woman who works in a big industry? What can you tell me about that? I guess, well, that post was obviously specifically, as you said, to do with um, a young woman that was murdered recently, last week in London. And, um, I think it just brings up all that's this, this these issues, which is very much because we have social media now, so we can all communicate with each other. And it is that, you know, what woman hasn't, you know, done all these things when walking home late at night, the fear that you're going to be attacked. Have those feelings contributed to you having a really kind of clear set of boundaries in your life, like things that you will not tolerate or things at work or anything? Yes. Yeah, there are certain things that um, I've, um, you know, experienced things that I've, I've not, I refuse to then work with those people because that's not, you know, I don't want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a part. And, you know, I don't know, this could go down a very weird road, but, right. um, you know, and in, in, in my experience, I haven't really experienced that much me too as it were for want of a better word in fashion particularly that's great 
I mean, yes, it's different for me because I'm not a model. Have I have I have I seen it happen to models? Yes, I have a long time ago. Uh, I think I remember being on a trip in in Morocco and the the mayor the 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 model who must have been about eighteen at the time. And bearing in mind, I was at the time I was like twenty four or something, twenty five maybe. She was eighteen and. She asked if she could sleep in my room with me because she was scared of the photographer because he kept harassing her. And, you know, that happens. Wow. And it does. It did. But um, I'm not sure we didn't really want to go down this road, did we? Yeah. Um, I find find it interesting, but um, I guess that it just struck me that it's a shared experience that all women have. The part, the part that it's like a continuous thing, and I don't think enough men like really realize that that's the reality that women feel, even in today. Yeah. You know, I mean, I um, think you'd be you'd be very hard pushed to find somebody that hadn't, you know, hadn't had something, whether it's, you know, being flashed at or I don't know, do you call that? Do you, is that a thing in America? Yeah. You know, where you yeah, get or ex- just feeling unsafe. Them, so, yeah, get exposed or followed or all that stuff happens. I mean, it, you just, it's, unfortunately, you know, it still goes on. Okay. So on a brighter topic, yes. where do you, have you ever felt uninspired? And and when you are, where do you draw your creativity from? What really, like, do you pull on that, that fuels you creatively? Um, I think museums exhibitions nature um being out and about kind of there's so much sort of visually so many things in this world that it's nice to be even when you're in a car you know you're going to work i saw the most amazing thing the other day actually which it wasn't the other day. It was about a year ago because I'm really been working. Right, because nothing going, happened this year. Nothing's happened. <laughs> Work-wise. But, yeah, exactly. But I was going to work and I was in a car and the driver took me through Regent's Park, which is a big park in London, and there's a zoo there. And they have giraffes and they have gi- the giraffe house. And it was a lovely sort of spring morning and I was just sort of, you know, looking out the window and this, there was a giraffe walked out, and it was really close to me, and it was just the bizarrest thing you've ever seen. Because, I mean, of course I know there's a zoo, and I know that they have giraffes, but it was just so beautiful. You're like, wow, I just saw a giraffe this morning. I don't know. In the middle just, of London. <laughs> in yeah. the middle of London, on my way to work. And, you know, I didn't go to work and do giraffe makeup, but I don't know, it just inspired me to... I don't know, nature and how wonderful things are. I don't know. just So things like that, I think definitely give you a brighter look of things and 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 maybe takes you out of the the fact that it's work and that you're supposed to be selling something or you know just for it to be more creative and something quite visceral and I don't know you know just something bigger than yourself yeah yeah and I, I don't know whether you know, if I was starting out now, I don't know how I'd go about being doing what I do. You know, I think I've just been sort of going along below the radar in my own little world. <laughs> Until Lucia, you if you were able, yeah, <laughs> if you were able to go 
back in time and meet mm-hmm. yourself somewhere, where mm-hmm. would it be? And what advice or what would you tell yourself? Well, what would I do? Um, maybe it would be when I lived in New York. I think, you know, actually one of the, when I was in New York, I had, I did a job. I got, this is how, this is actually quite funny. Um, I got chucked off. I was doing a three day makeup job and they chucked me off. What? Yeah. <laughs> they were like, you don't need to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, well, without going too much into it, um, it was for a makeup company. It was three days. Uh, the photographer, I think, was extreme. You know, looking back on it now with hindsight, the photographer was extremely stressed out. Um, the products that they wanted me to use were all very wishy-washy and not really very strong in color. So it was difficult to to do what they wanted to do. So, you know, it was a bit of a process and um, they, um, he just did not like me. He did not like me and he kind of blamed me for everything. And, and you yeah. knew it at the time. Oh God, yeah, I knew it. So the first day I knew it. Then the second day I remember going in there thinking, okay, you know what? I'm just going to do what I do and not let them harass me. So I did. And But that evening they, I got the call from my agent saying they've asked you not to come back tomorrow. You know, and I remember sitting on the floor outside my apartment in New York. It was really hot. It was August talking to my agent about it. And yeah, I was really upset, but I was kind of angry as well. Cause like, you know, how can you blame me for all, you know, it's not totally all my fault. Um, but you know, you just have to process that and learn from it. And then you get up, dust yourself off and you get on with it. And I did. And that was maybe, I don't know, you know, like early 2000s or something that happened to me. And what would you tell yourself? (laughs) I think I'd tell myself that, I don't know, it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You did your best and your best wasn't good enough for them, but that's okay. Your best is good enough for you. So I survived and I went on to do bigger and better things than that ever was. So Exactly. And you also told yourself that he had shitty lighting and it wasn't your fault. Yeah. He did actually <laughs> have shitty lighting. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you really learn after being a makeup artist after a certain amount of time. Um, yeah. Let's play a quick game. I'm going to um, – this is kind of rapid fire. I'll just ask you stuff. Just tell me what's on the top of your mind. and. uh okay. We'll have a little fun. What was the last cosmetic that you actually used your money and bought? Oh, um, I bought some Shiseido. No, not Shiseido. Yeah, Shiseido eyelash colors. Does that count? Yep. The other what day, is, literally. What is the most overused fashion reference? Um, oh, God. All of them? Oh. Good answer. <laughs> well, they kind of are, aren't they? Yeah. I, mean, I was thinking, like, all? I love her, but Brigitte Bardot, it's like, you know, it's like the, yeah, the fashion was like, no one's ever heard of anybody else. I know, but that's true. But Even I feel though it's like so that, good. Yes, it is so good, but I don't feel like that. that's really been referenced for a while, though. That's I true. Say. At the moment, I don't think she's uh, – I haven't seen her at all. 
It was like eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah. What is the most overused makeup trend? Um, what's like, what are they, oh God, those goddamn eyebrows. Mm. You know, those awful, well, I mean, it's not really a makeup trend, isn't it? You know, those sort of Instagram eyebrows that look like you've drawn one with a Sharpie? The stencil brow. Yeah. Well, that's maybe not the most overused. It's the most ugly. You could ask me that, and I'd yeah. say that's okay. the most ugly. <laughs> the most ugly, yeah. What is the, your favorite word to hear on set? Um, Lucia, you're amazing. <laughs> what is your least favorite word to hear on set? <laughs> Major. Uh, yeah. Okay, 1960s or 1970s? 70s. 90s or 20s? 90s. Too much bronzer or too much highlight? Uh, Too much bronzer. Delita or Cher? Cher. Favorite word? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, Where's my favorite word? Love. Least favorite word? Major. <laughs> thing you miss, the thing you miss the least about traveling. The least about traveling? Uh, getting on an airplane. Milan Fashion Week or New York Fashion Week? Mm, that's quite hard, actually. Mm-hmm. You can't say Paris. That would have made it too easy. It's kind of yeah, a it would, fight, it? right? Yeah. Uh, Milan, maybe. Oh, no. Is it New York? I don't know. You see, for both. Can I just say both? Yeah. You have to see which designers are requesting you and then just say, oh, I do love New York so much. Well, yeah, Always exactly. yeah, but you know what went to my, what I thought? The first thing that was in my head, oh, Milan, because the food is really amazing. And I thought, oh, no, New York, because I love New York. New York is great. I never actually thought about makeup or the shows. I just It was just my experience of being there. Like, where do you want to be? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a better reason. Shepherd's yeah. pie or pizza pie? Uh, shepherd's. Oh, you really are the Brit. Yeah. Um, Peroni beer in a can or Peroni beer in a bottle? Bottle. Um, Royals should stay or Royals should go? Oh, God. Uh, I don't really have an opinion, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, And then what is your favorite lip shade? Be specific. Which one? Oh, oh, favorite. Mm. I must say, I've got to love Ruby Woo. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong. And what is your least favorite lip shade? Mm, you know that kind of weird, minky, mushroomy nude? Mm. You know? Like, ma- like malt? Yeah, you know, it's kind of a yeah. little bit sort of, it's like nude, but it's a bit weird. Brown yeah. and drab. Yeah, kind of a little bit purpley, you know? It's got that kind of purple oh, undertone to it. Frostbitten. Yeah. This was so much fun, Lucia. I actually, um, you know, before the interview, I got a little nervous because I was like, I like her too much. And I was, you oh, know, no. it's hard to talk to somebody who you respect so much. And then I thought, you know what? 
uh, I got I get to do this podcast and talk to people that if you had told me a year ago I'm going to have a conversation with Lucia, I would have died. So, Aww. all right. Just- well, thank you so much, and have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you.